You're listening to Frisbee's Bulls and Bears with Dominic Frisbee. Hello and welcome to Frisbee's Bulls and Bears with me, Dominic Frisbee. A reminder that you can subscribe to the show by clicking on the subscribe via email button on the left-hand side of your screen and then every time I upload a new show, you'll get an email telling you that I've done that and that's the only email you receive. I don't up load shows on a regular basis so it's the it's the easiest way to get new programs as soon as they come out. Now, this is an interview in today's show this is an interview that I recorded um earlier in the year in about February of this year when I was writing my bitcoin book and it's an interview with Amir Taki who is a computer hacker computer programmer and um he was quite instrumental uh, in the development of Bitcoin uh, in the early stages of its evolution. And it took place, this interview took place at a squat in Bow, where Amir was, stay- was staying with a number of um, uh, people who were involved in the Occupy movement. And it's a pretty wide-ranging interview, um, but I thought it was quite good fun and quite interesting. And um, it goes on for over an hour, so uh, you might have to listen to it in several doses. But um, I thought it was w- worth uploading. So here we go. So I'm I'm sitting in a squat in East London in Bow in an old what is this an old I don't know man some kind of old industrial building <laughs> and uh, I'm sitting with Amir now what's your surname Amir Taki with Amir Taki and uh, Amir Taki is one of the early software uh, well what would you do for a living Amir uh, I write open source software open source developer. You're an open source developer, and you were one of the early developers of Bitcoin. Is that right? Yeah. So why don't you, and you got involved in when, summer of 2010 with it? Yeah. Okay, so why don't we start, well, thanks very much for for doing this interview, Amir, and why don't we start, why don't you tell us, you know, how you came to be involved in it? You were telling me the the poker story last night. Oh, yeah, I was was interested in uh, in different peer-to-peer software applications, and... uh, and I, fa- and I found a way that you can do uh, a shuffle of some cards in a distributed way. And I wanted to create uh, a poker site, which is open source and, and distributed. Because uh, before I was a professional poker player of like two years, and, uh, and, I saw, and what I saw in this world was a lot of, a lot of scandals and you know, corruption, where people's whole cards were being seen, you know, they have really insecure old software, they charge huge prices, because it's basically a cartel that they control. Fixing the decks, were they fixing the decks? It's, yeah, it's not only that, it's diff- there's different poker sites with different problems, like Cake Poker was one site that was transmitting the player whole cards, you know, using an encryption scheme called XOR, and XOR is so easy to break, like, it's like, it's a problem you give in school to like 12 year olds <laughs> this is like millions every day going through this poker site yeah so that's worrying man and they have software which is really old and they never update it i have a friend and he made you know 100k playing poker last year and he paid 50k in rake 50k in fees to the sites okay and you're playing against other players they're just providing a platform yeah 
to, to do this service. So there's absolutely no justice. There's no reason. A lot, of it, a lot of it is laws and regulations that you can't run a poker site, which is ludicrous because it's, it's just a game that you play, but there happens to be money involved. You know, it could be some other game like Command and Conquer or Tomb Raider or something. Okay, so you you um, you, you oh, developed yeah, I went a way off of the rails a bit. <laughs> did you? But you developed a way of, of you, you wanted to effectively have an open source poker site. Yeah, but also distributed, so you're placing as little trust into central server as possible. Anyway, I needed a, a money system, and uh, I was I was searching around and talking. I talked with one guy who's a mathematician, and he gave me a bunch of different links, and one of them was this Bitcoin thing and the site looks so sketchy I was like it said peer-to-peer money that can't be controlled by central banks or governments and it was like a crappy blue web page from the like 90s or something and, <laughs> it, and I was like nah this is a this is a joke project yeah. because there's tons of these projects on SourceForge yeah. where the coder makes them and he just forgets about it that weekend like he gets right. bored he, and there's nothing there but you know, out of desperation, I came back and I started to like look more and more like, okay, what is this? You know, because I had no other options. Yeah. So then, you, you you needed an you, you in order to run an open source poker site, you couldn't use dollars or pounds or something. No. Well, how would you do it distributed? Okay. If the money is yeah, exactly. You oh, I see. Something. You needed you needed so I could so for the for the betting and so on. You needed. Yeah, it's like chips. In other words, you needed that people could bet instantly, or or that you you issue an asset. Yeah. So, so like I don't know, someone say makes a page and you issue an asset, and that's what you use as your chips or something. You have a contract for trading. Or yeah. And so on. Okay, so 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 you saw this thing on on uh, on SourceForge, which is an open source software sharing site, and uh, so what did you kind of yeah, well, I what, came what stage was it at? Who, who was who was working on it? Just just Satoshi at this point. Yeah, and there wasn't too many people in, involved. It was a really small community of guys like No Agenda Market, Sirius, uh, you know, Nefario. Uh, These are all the names of guys. Yeah, different people on the on the forums. Okay, and people doing projects. There was Kiba. <laughs> it's all different people. Anyway, it was in, uh, and Empty uh, Gox guy, Gavin. Yeah, Empty Magical Tux. It was a really small community. And anyway, yeah. I started to like look at the software more and more. Yeah. And try and understand what it's doing, and things started to make sense. And it's like, wow, this this is real. This is fantastic and crazy. Like all the loads of ideas. Yeah. Stuff that I'd always wanted to do. It wasn't possible, you know, new possibilities to do things, ways to fund the open source software, ways to create projects, ways to do the things. It's, I was like, wow, incredible. And like, for the next few days, like when this was when Bitcoin was 0.06, I was telling everybody nonstop about it, the hairdresser, and people just didn't really get what I was on about. You know, my sister, I told my sister, my sister studies astrophysics. She she was into it as well. Yeah. Now her boyfriend is like a Bitcoin mathematician, Andrew Miller. Okay. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and and uh, yeah. And it's so okay. But so how long did you work on it for? 
Uh, what do you mean? Like, I, how long have you been? Did you develop the software for? How much time did you spend? Well, on? it's twenty thirteen now. In the beginning, it's like I was. I've always been into wallets, and uh, and I was starting to make some Bitcoin projects. Like I made a website, and I made some other other things. But I started to get more and more, and I started to see problems in in uh, Bitcoin software. Like, okay, I want to do this. I want this different. So I, we, I started to make my own versions, my own wallets. You know, I made an exchange. I, I did uh, some conferences. Uh, I did some other websites, some other web services. You know, a web wallet. Da, da, da. And what were the problems that you could see? Oh, lots of stuff, man. Just the main thing is about is about you know if you want. If you have a piece, if you have an open source project, the way that you get everyone to use it, the way that you get everyone, the community to participate, is to make it in modules or components. Yeah, like there's a Unix philosophy of build the things in bricks, with simple bricks that fit together nicely. And if you think of the software like this, it does all of these different functions. Each one of those functions should be a separate module or project. That one pro that a group of programmers maintains that, and other programmers they combine these things together and in that way. So yeah. that you can that's how you build a that's how as humans we deal with complexity. Yeah, we split the things into small units. Yeah, specialities and so on. Absolutely, it's the uh, the standing on the shoulders of giants. Have you heard that one before? Yeah. Okay, so I mean it's the same principle, isn't it? Yeah, it's. Uh, it's the whole point, like you have subfields and specialities and so on. And with the software, you put it into modules and components that by themselves, very, very simple to understand. You don't need to know what goes around it. And you focus on making that brick as best as possible, but it's as simple as possible. And then all these bricks fit together to build a big complex system. Yeah. Because that's how our brains are hardwired to think as people. But the Bitcoin software, as it is, is just a, a big modular splotch, like, yeah. And if you change one thing, it affects all different things around. Very yeah. complicated to deal with. And also, the all of these features are in the center of the software that you want people to use. You have to think how to bring them out so that other for other developers create the tools for other developers to create software off of that. So by creating the the tools to, for instance, manage multi-sig. You know, do offline transactions, do have access to all the different Bitcoin features. Other developers can build software and think how they can present this, that other people can use these features. Because, for instance, I'm not a, a UI developer. You know, I'm not a, a, you know, a graphic designer. Yeah. I'm not, you know. What is UI? User interface. Okay, fine. I'm more systems developer. Okay, I understand. With the server and so yeah. on. But if I think, instead of thinking, okay, how do I do this myself? Instead of thinking, if I think, okay, I'll give the tools for the other developers to make this stuff, then they can make it better themselves. And they don't have to worry about all the complexity, all the fine details yeah. I have to worry about. Okay. So, I mean, how many people were working on it? Ten? There's a, the Bitcoin space is a community, it's a, it's different projects. So there's like, there's one group of people around the Bitcoin D, but then there's other groups of people doing other stuff, you know, and uh, and 
you know, we have our group and, and uh, yeah. So quite a few. So, but when you're talking about something that's this, um, you know, these many, presumably you're all in, where were you? Where were you in the world at the time? Were you in the UK at the time or were you? No, I was in Amsterdam. Okay, and and uh, I know there was one guy involved in it. It was in Finland, is it, Marty? And there was Gavin Anderson was in the States, presumably. So were you all over the world? Yeah, but I was I I was doing uh, projects like I was, for instance, I was trying to work with the 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 way that the uh, the developers around Bitcoin D who have access to that repo were deciding to develop the things is different to my philosophy about how to develop the things. So I w we went and s split off into separate projects. And uh, yeah, in the beginning, I, tr I took the software and I started to improve it. I made Python bindings, you know, uh, changed parts of the API, cleaned up the code. We did a bunch of diff lots of different things. Uh, but in the end, I thought to myself, if Bitcoin is going to be such a big system, you know, that's running our world's infrastructure, we need a proper base to it. So I decided to rewrite the software. And I, rewriting something is not something that I recommend. I always prefer to refactor. But in this case, I chose to rewrite the code. And that's how I got to live Bitcoin, which is which is a code which is based around uh, asynchronicity, uh, scalability, you know, privacy, all of these features. And to try and think from the first premises about how you construct the things so that you can have a software that, because all software degrades over time, like given enough time, the things, the things get worse and worse. All you can think about with your architecture is how to make it in such a way that it maintains its integrity for as long as possible. I see. Um, so, did you have any idea that it was going to be become as big as it it has done? Not so quickly, but I I did expect Bitcoin to become big. I made a ten year plan, and I said in it's going to be here and then here in five years and seven years. Yeah. Da, da, da. That plan happened in months, like phenomenal growth, like. Bitcoin is, I've been involved in like Linux and different movements. I speak Esperanto. I, I support all the, the like niche alternatives, you know, because yeah. I believe they're better. And I thought Bitcoin was going to be another Linux, you know, something yeah. I'm in for 10 years and we maybe get to 1% of the market by that time. Yeah. You know, like, okay, here we go. Fine. Let's, let's start, you know. And then it was like, poof, I was like, oh, fuck, that's quick. <laughs> and, uh, and did you ever um, uh, mine your own Bitcoin? No, nah, never. Never mind the Bitcoin. And do you, because now, now here's a question for you, and you've already, you already answered this question last night, but I'm going to ask it again. Do you, do you have, what did you do with the Bitcoins that you had? To be honest, I'm not a, yeah, I don't know, like, <laughs> lost a lot of them giving to other people or just spending or whatever. But, yeah, t to be honest, most of, my, most of the money that I bring in, uh, first of all, I'm not doing this for money, but a lot of the money is in shared things with our group, with different projects. You know, I have a Bitcoin 
When you say our group, you mean software development projects? That yeah, but also the projects we're doing in, in Barcelona with different groups of people around, you know, um, because it's, it's important. It's not just about, you know, having software and technology. It has to be part of something else, you know. Yeah. We develop the technology in lockstep with the projects we're doing about you know having the the space or the services you know con your sovereignty these things because you know only when you put the software into production usage can you actually see how it's used and improve it and the feeling we have is that software that we develop for ourselves is useful for everybody else as well so we're developing these things for our projects, for the, th the things that we're doing, but it's useful for other people as well. You know, it's, it's things about having the space, the space where you can make projects, the space where you can live and, you know, and, uh, you know. So if you, you could have been a Bitcoin millionaire and you chose not to be. I don't know. If I had bought Bitcoins and hold them, I would be, but I just... At the time, you don't really think like that. You're more of a... Yeah, I don't know. You can always look back and say, oh, you know, what if I did this or that? Yeah. But it's all right. It's not... You know, you know the, the newspaper, the Independent and the Daily Mail and the Mirror, they just, they just named me as billionaire of 2014. So I'm not... <laughs> <laughs> it's not... It's not about... It's, you know, maybe they, they say... You yeah, maybe they... <laughs> Maybe they sound billionaire, but yeah. we're going to make a country, man, and that's going to have a billion, billion dollar economy, and it's going to be, it's going to be good. Where's this country going to be? I don't know. We Vir it's going to be a virtual country. No, we have to think about where you can get think, land. Yeah, like for instance, the thing that they're doing in in Spain is is really nice with the CIC, because the CIC is a big network of eight thousand people. And they're trying to provide all the basic services that the humans need, like the food, the transport, the healthcare, the education, the energy. And uh, it's still very much in the early days, but they have a lot of really good ideas. They're using the legal structure of a cooperative to protect the internal, to yeah. protect them inside and have an internal economy. Uh, and they provide things like if you want to make a business or an enterprise, you can join to their interface to the state and they manage all the bureaucracy and, and all that stuff. And, uh, and they balance the money coming in and out so you don't have to pay taxes. There was one guy who runs a market store and he was saying to me about having to pay the 300 euro tax, but he doesn't have to pay it by joining a cooperative. And the way that you get people to participate in this stuff is by offering them things of real value that they want to use. And the, the thing is, if you want people to use your alternative, it has to be better than what is currently, currently exists, you know? Yeah. Play, you know? And uh, they have one project, Calafo, which is like four hectares of land. It looks like a little village. The, it, the, the place was like four million euros, but, and someone wanted to buy it just to burn rubbish. But they went to the owner and they talk with him, tell him a nice vision of what's possible. He sells it to them for 400,000 euros. And you have a bunch of people. And this is in Spain, is it? Yeah, in, in Bar one hour from Barcelona. 
you have a bunch of people put 100 euros, 200 euros every month. After four years, you own the land. Yeah. You know, you own the space. And but then but don't you still have the problem of uh, negotiating with the Spanish government? You know, if you want to build on it, for example, you want to build homes on it. Or well, they, I don't know. They already have the, the, the apartments where people can live. There's like 90 of them. Tons of empty space around everywhere. Well, fantastic. You know, and it's, it's nice. They have an electronics lab. We have our, our hack lab where we're doing our software and our Bitcoin. But not only Bitcoin, but other, they, for instance, So you go, that's where you're working. That's where you yeah, go yeah. when you go out to Spain. And, exactly. Okay. And do you speak Spanish? A, nah. Okay. We have a, a biology lab, uh, a, a mechanics where they're fixing cars. We have uh, people making wooden furniture. They have a business. People working with metals, a big workshop with the, the saws and all this stuff. And what money do people use? Uh, Euros and bitcoins. And I mean, do, does bitcoin work as, as money there? Because uh, yeah, you can rent, you can get the apartments in bitcoins. You can pay for things. But I mean, does the because of the volatility in the bitcoin price, does it does that not create a problem? Uh, I'm not too worried about it, to be honest. I don't know. For us, it's really useful. Bitcoin, we can use it. Like for instance, yeah, for instance, I'm here now, and if I need something, I can ask to one of the different groups of people. Oh, I need this. Can you sort this out? And they try and manage that, you know. Or, you know, I don't need to worry about dealing with money and stuff. And like is this that. is this full of computer geniuses? This place. Uh, yeah, there's some smart people there. Yeah. I mean, and so t how old are you? Twenty-five. Twenty-five. How, when did you first program a computer? How did you learn about computing? Uh, I don't know. When I was twelve or thirteen, we were like hacking the school computers a lot. But also, uh, where did you go to school? Uh, Broadstairs in the southeast. Okay. And uh, but also like. What do you mean you were hacking the school computer? Oh, we were just, uh, they had lots of restrictions on them. And my school was, re was really controlling school with controlling Good. teachers. So, like, uh, like, nearly all of my time was just spent, like, misbehaving, them. yeah, a lot. And did, you, were you, did you get in trouble all the time? Or did you manage yeah, to I eventually got expelled. Like, <laughs> the, te the teacher was, uh, one day, like, called me into his office and he goes... He sits me down with a disappointed face and he goes, Amir, you've got lots of mouthy kids in your year. Like, our, our year was known as like one of the worst years and he had loads of chavs in it and he was going, oh, you know, but you're not mouthy at all, but I think you're actually the naughtiest kid in, in your year. And I was like, oh, <laughs> best compliment ever. Like, <laughs> And we had, a, we had a, a crew of people that would go around, like, you know, cutting the cameras and... We were getting what, the CCTV cameras, you mean? Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> and getting rid of the the restrictions on the computers, and uh, eventually they were claiming that I caused thousands of pounds worth of damage. But it's all software, like on the computers, and I wasn't allowed on the same floor as the computers. <laughs> it was so, it was years and years of abuse. It wasn't like one thing. Like, yeah. And they, they always knew who it was, like... And could you, uh... <laughs> could you... Were you able to break into the computer system from outside? That he, you're they, had a, they had a nice setup where the... You had a, you had a school email. 
that you could log in at, with a, it was like your, your login username at the name of the school. Yeah. And then the, the same password you used to log in. And uh, the, the thing is, is they didn't realize that the, the mail server that they had, that you could log into it from outside. So I could, we were running software like, uh, that would like try the different logins, like administrator at the email address and the password, and just automate different passwords from a dictionary and eventually crack it. And they would choose really insecure passwords like Oracle or oh. Wile or something, okay. you know, and we would just, they would change it, would go in the next day and log in, like, change, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and, uh, but also, I got into programming because I was really into video games. Yeah. And I would play tons of video games and always like looking at the game worlds. Like, oh, it's a 3D world where you can do all these things and start to see problems with these 3D worlds and try and think how, how I would change it or how I'd make better and eventually like start des designing my own games. And I found uh, QBasic. Yeah. I was in my friend's house one day and he was... He was making a, a crappy, like, a uh, fighting game, but where you use, like, the zero and the bar to make a person, you know? You use, like, a zero and the bar and two slashes for the yeah. arms and two slashes for the legs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a little fighting game using animations and beeps. And I went home and I in installed that. I started to make, oh, I was like, oh, wicked. I made a maths game. Yeah. And then... Uh, and then I, I read in a compute, in a video game magazine, you need to learn this thing called C++. Yeah. So then I, I went out and I got just the book from the shop, like how to learn C++. Yeah. And it was like that. Yeah. Thick book. And every day come from school, like read the book, like nonstop learning. In six months, I knew how to... So then I... And around, your mom, was your mum going, get off the computer? And yeah, it? exactly. Like, but I dominated it. Like, yeah. It's like mine, basically. From, okay. And uh, eventually she ended up getting another one. And that was my one. <laughs> and I upgraded it with more and more, like, better hardware. And, uh, and yeah, started to program more games. I started to participate in the forums, learn a lot. Then I also discovered open Linux. Like so you're almost entirely self-taught then? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I always like to read a lot from different books and, and study. Yeah. I think, I think like the university is a waste. Like we, why you go 15 years of your life to a school and then 10 years to a university? And look, we have the internet. If kid wants to be a doctor from seven, he can start then and there. Like he doesn't need to waste all your life your precious childhood. There's a, a lot of these, the school is not teaching the people to think, it's teaching people to, to be drones, to be workers. But we don't need a nation of workers. We need people who can evaluate information objectively, question the things, you know, the teach. I went to Brazil and I have a friend and he runs free schools. He, he has companies making free, free software and yeah. he has two free schools. And the kids in these free schools, I never saw kids so happy in the school. Like running around, laughing. I did a lesson to the kids on dinosaurs, to small kids. Yeah. And they were climbing on my lap. You know, just really natural, feel yeah. really comfortable. That's incredible. And like, he told me some of the stories about how the kids learn. And it blew my mind. And 
the stuff with Khan Academy, this is the future. Yeah. In Calafo, we have the Hack Lab, we have kids all around, you know, with programming, they come, we show them some stuff, we explain to them. You have other people who's like growing vegetables or doing chickens, the kids can go and learn about the, the nature and about the soil and the stuff. You have people who's doing electronics, people making, brewing beer, making marmalade, you have kitchen, people cooking food. This is the real things, you know. This, this is how we're going to claim back our society by getting the technology that we use for real, by learning how we can study ourselves. The school should only be two things. It should be teach the kids how to learn. Here's where you can go to get information. Here's how you can objectively analyze the information. Here's how you can use it to improve, you know, and inspire the kids with a love of learning. You know, this is why it's important. This is why, you know, like give them the passion. But you it's been, not like been, that anymore. You've been reading my book. Nah. <laughs> because I say all of this in the book. Uh, it's fantastic. It's good to hear it from someone else. Um, the, now let's, let's come back to, um, let's come back to Bitcoin. So you've clearly got this uh, uh, desire to subvert authority, if you like, uh, which was, was apparently in school days. And you've got, you know, a great deal of, technical knowledge and I imagine that you know you're better at computer programming than a lot of people who are running you know government systems would, would you agree is that fair enough to say or I don't know man there's some really smart people in this world but co-opted and it's it's a shame because they're wasting their skill I go to the I go to the London hack space for instance and I I see people there with enormous power like and they're they're using you like just walk into the offices of Google and you see like rows and rows and rows of people making bullshit every day. You know, all of this, all of this waste of talent. So what, what, what's, what, what's the bullshit that they're making? I don't know. <laughs> it's just like, for instance, in the hack space, you see guys and they're like, they have the ability to delete entire industries or overthrow totalitarian regimes and they're using it to make toys and you talk to them about this stuff and they're like oh i'm not political you know i just want to play around with my technology da, da, da. yeah totally irresponsible well, the overthrow regimes that's you can this is it's like guys who have a nuclear bomb you know and they're just using it to make little toys to amuse themselves so how could you what why how could you overthrow a regime this stuff is in incredibly powerful, the technology. You could, a lot of this stuff, you can use it in different ways, like the stuff we're doing now with Bitcoin, the stuff with the CIC in Spain. You, you really start to think about these problems. For instance, the quadrocopters is a good example. The quadrocopters. A lot of the people who build quadrocopters using them as a toy to fly around, oh, isn't this fun? But you can You're talking fit, about those little toy things. Yeah, the helicopters. Yeah. But well, I you bought can my fit, son one of those for You Christmas. can fit them with spray paint cans and spray out the CCTV. <laughs> you can give them to activists. <laughs> you, can, you can use them to map police movements during demonstrations. If you equip one of these quadrocopters with a camera and then you use OpenCV, which is an image recognition library, yeah. and then you, you, you build some software to model swarms, 
Yeah. Yeah, you can map police movements and recognize the police during demonstrations and send this information to mobile phones of people in the demonstration so they can swarm around police to stop the police kettling them. This is powerful stuff. Yeah. People are using it to make toys. And when we look at the history <laughs> yeah. with the Library of Alexandria, the world's biggest like knowledge resource in the ancient world, yeah. people would come around the whole world to read the books with advanced astronomy, steam power, you know, technology, high mathematics, philosophy, all the things. And um, what would the what would the scientists and the mathematicians using it for? To create toys, to amuse kings. And at the end, when the Christian mob, who saw them as pagans, came, they burnt the place down, they raped them, they flailed the flesh from the bones of the, of the people, you know. They were never in touch with the people around them. They yeah. were like in their own world with the aristocrats and the kings making the toys, you know. None of this stuff ever impacted the common man. And in the end, the common man came and burnt all of the things down. The technology is a tool. A tool to make the lives of the people better. Why in the modern world do we have, do we have a huge technological base, but our lives aren't even any better? Why do we not have any more leisure time? Why are people working more and harder? It's not, it's not logical, you know? Debt-based money. It's, yeah, that's one thing. The money, the debt-based money is re retired. We don't own any of the things. People is renting. We should own the land. And you know, if they're going to make us play this silly economic game, fine, we're going to buy back the entire planet. Acquire resources, make businesses, you know, build structures. Think about the thing. If we just, if people just think about the things smarter rather than being a zombie consumer, you can live a much better life. And I have a lot of friends in, in this movement who were struggling for many years. And then they reach a certain age and they drop out. You know, they get a girlfriend, they start renting, you know, they're in their nice apartment. You know, and in the short term, you know, maybe that seems like the easy way out. But in the way that the future is heading, it's not any, it's not a, there's no future in that. You know, with the, if you just look at the, the rate at which the ecology is being destroyed, on a massive scale, with the not only the food sources but our environment, the air, the water, the 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 size of the bureaucracy, with the taxes, all these hidden taxes, with yeah the debt and the money, the way that they're they're increasing the hidden tax on people, the the stuff with the police, the police is given more and more powers every day. You know, under the pretext of terrorism or security. The surveillance, the surveillance is massive. The surveillance, a lot of people is, okay, what have I got to hide? But the knowledge is power. It's power over your life. They have drones flying over entire neighborhoods, doing dragnet surveillance of electronic devices. The, the talk by Jacob Applebaum in the CCC, they have, they have devices beaming energy into people's bodies. That's like from science fiction. It's more crazy than I ever imagined. What the fuck are they making all of this for? You see, if you look, if you search on YouTube for 
Homeland Security zombie training exercise. There's like one exercise that the Homeland Security does in the US where they like do a, a, a search and rescue operations or they like they're like fighting against a zombie horde. Like what is that training the, the men for? Is it really training them for a zombie outbreak? Like a lot of these zombies is like walking like like you know yeah. c- citizens and they're going bam 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 and they're like running towards the police and this is Homeland Security responsible for maintaining the security of, this, of, the, of the towns, of the cities in America, not from external threats, from internal threats. Like, this is not a nice future we're gearing towards. And I think the aim right now is not about, you know, save the world, reform the system, uh, try and get back some of our rights... We don't have rights, you know. Rights are things that are given to you. What it is, what we have to do is carve out an operating space for f- where f- freedom-loving people, where us, our friends, other people like us can survive and thrive and grow. And yeah, it's, it's, you, when you're doing things in the beginning, it's more difficult. But over time, you do it the first time, you do it the second time, the tenth time, and so on. It becomes easier and easier and easier. You learn about the things, how you do this, how you do that. And there's already a a big body of knowledge to draw upon. Except now the time is different. We can do the things different and better. You know, also we have to face up to a lot of old taboos, old notions, dogmas, and get rid of them. This left and right thing is bullshit. It's really trash, you know? And, and ideology is obsolete. We're in a new time, and we have to start thinking about the new language and the new, the new ways that we reason about the things. It's, the time is different. It's not the same as a year ago, and you say, oh, I'm a minarchist, you know, I'm a syndicalist, I'm a, a narco-communist, I'm a libertarian. It's all the same, you know? You're, and you know we can sure we shouldn't forget history but also realise we're in a, a new age and we're looking towards the future and also it's no good being a hippie with your philosophy and so have vision yeah where we want to get to but concrete steps we're going to do this we're going to do that you know and do it with a business mind you know you want to make the thing sustainable you want to make them profitable you want to grow I think there's a lot of yeah a lot of old ideas that's just holding us back you know in our in our minds absolutely I would have thought Spain is the place with everything that's going on there yeah Spain has a big black market you know a huge rate of unemployment the was it 50% youth unemployment or something I don't know something crazy and uh, also in Catalonia, they have a big resistance culture. Yeah. Like they have this long struggle with the Spanish government. <clears throat> yeah. You walk around in the town, people hang the flag of Catalonia. You go to some small villages on the mountains, and the people all speak Catalan and very suspicious of this Spanish government. And like, yeah, the people. And there's a lot of nice projects there, like uh, Guifi.net. It's okay. the biggest, biggest mesh network in the world, 32,000 nodes. What's a mesh network? A mesh network is where you join to other computers over a, over a, a, like a, a dish with radio. Yeah. 
and you can get and this is how they get, and you can get internet from this instead of getting from your ISP yeah. you get from other people in the big network and this this mesh network in Spain it covers from one side of Catalonia to the other side that's how we get internet in Calafo by pointing up the mountain to another town with this dish and that's and have you got the, decent speeds and everything yeah it's we're using it to work okay you know and a lot of this is also because there's all these communities in the mountains that the ISPs don't serve because they don't want to because there's a big monopoly there from the ISPs and a monopoly says you know uh, they do the things inefficiently and they say oh we're not going to serve something that's like unless there's a huge amount of money for it so then they make this alternative to serve all the different people and also it's nice as well. The people also understand a lot more. They're trying to do a similar project in Berlin, but there's a lot of skepticism from the people. Like, you put a, a dish on top of someone's house, you have to ask them. Yeah. And, they're like, and they're like, oh, you know, why do I want this? I pay for my internet, you know? Yeah, I, don't, okay. I don't steal my internet. People don't really understand so much. I don't know, but also in, in Barcelona, you have... The CIC I was explaining about, you have uh, Calafo, you have all different projects. Very good. Now, let's talk about these altcoins. Yeah. What do you, th I mean, are there any of them any good? Are they scams? What, what do you think of them? Uh, Dudecoin is pretty cool. <laughs> cool. Which one? Dudecoin. Dogcoin. Dogcoin, okay. Dudecoin, yeah. Oh, D, uh, well, how do you spell it? D-O-O-G? D-O-G-E. Okay. Dogecoin, wouldn't that be? Yeah, it was, it was really popular for a while. And uh, it came from 4chan, because 4chan has this meme about Duke. And all of the memes come from 4chan, because it's a, it's a place on the internet which is uncensored. Okay. And so you get so, a lot... So it's 4chan a person, or it's a, it's a, 4chan is a place? Yeah, it's a website. Okay. So like an image board. And you can post whatever you want on there. And you get a lot of crap on there, a lot of bullshit, like, you know, really, like, weird what-the-fuck stuff. But it's free expression, you know? Yeah. And a lot of the internet memes and culture comes from 4chan. Like, you have all these places, like Reddit and so on, and all yeah. the forums, never produced any internet culture. All the culture comes from 4chan. The movement of Anonymous comes from 4chan. Because the names of all the people is anonymous. There's no usernames. Okay. Yeah, so you have conversations. You don't know who you're talking to. Well, you can... You learn after a while who is who. Okay. Well, like, let's say I make a thread, yeah? And I, I talk about something. You, you basically know who the original poster is. Okay. From the style of their writing. And okay. You learn to recognise. So a lot of the people that always say, oh, you need usernames... You don't, oft, you don't always need usernames. People like seem to think you need it a lot more than you do. Yeah. So and did you did you um, did when you were developing? Bit, so some of the let's come back to the altcoins. Some of them good. Some of them bad. Some of them. Yeah, I don't know. Bitcoin was like really popular. Yeah. And it's more of a joke thing. You know, all uh, the ki all the kids were pumping it a lot all yeah. over the internet. But yeah, most of them have no no value really. The, the, th the thing is, is what, I re what is cool is the protocol layers. Yeah. Like you had the BitShares, the MasterCoin, yeah. the Fry Market, and now Ethereum. And what they're doing is like looking 
okay, like the the bit shares was like looking okay. Bitcoin is missing some features. We okay, what let, we want to make a Bitcoin, but with these features added, you know, yeah. the things like being able to do uh, atomic trades, issue securities, issue your own currencies, that kind of stuff, and uh, and then Fry Market was coming and looking. Okay, what are the things that we need to enable in Bitcoin to make these features possible? The small things. And uh, that's the better approach because you can do those features plus a lot more stuff you don't imagine. And then Mastercoin was coming along and saying, oh, let's try and build it off of the Bitcoin blockchain. But there's a lot of problems to do that, you know. But then Ethereum is a new project. Yeah. More interesting than all of these other ones. And it's by Vitalik. Vitalik is a young guy, like 19. Yeah. He's, he was living with us in, in California over the summer but he's from Canada yeah and he is such a smart guy like puts loads of professors to shame and he he's designed a a scheme that you can make these these DACs the decentralized autonomous corporation and what these these DACs are is is you can make an organization which is running according to code with not managed by people, not run by people. So, for instance, let's say I make an organization, yeah, or we say we want to make an organization to do to run uh, a gambling website, or I don't know whatever we want to do. And uh, I write the code like this, and I say, oh, you need to go and hire some programmers. You need to pay the salary of the programmers every month. Yeah. You know, you need to pay for your 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 servers. You need to pay for these other resources, and then the the thing runs automatically. And there's no and when I'm not in I'm not involved in that. And it's hiring the programmers and paying. And you can see the code of this robot. And then if you and you can choose to join this organization voluntarily, it's your choice. And if you if you see a problem, you can propose a change to the code, or if you want, you can fork it and make your own. Okay. And that's very nice. And we can try and think how to make the infrastructure. And the whole point is, is like normally when you join an organization, you have the law, yeah? The legal agreement that you sign. And, uh, and this legal agreement is, you know, drafted by lawyers with the courts and the judges, enforced by the police, with the politicians who make the laws and so on. But with this, we don't need any of that. It's not needed. It's obsolete. Because you can make your organization with the code, and that's how it runs. And also, the code, you see exactly how the robots run. Because it's running according to the fixed rules. There's no, you know, interpretation in there, whatever. And, uh, and, he's and at the moment, yeah, you could make that with robots. But he's making this platform, which is like a gigantic computer, a Turing complete computer... And you upload like contracts to there, which is like pieces of code to do something. And the, this contract, this piece of code specifies how the, how the, what is valid and what's not as the next piece of code on your thing. And each step of the computation costs some money to run. So you can make any kind of compute program you want, but the longer it runs, the more money you have to pay for it, yeah? So if you make a, a robot and you want the robot to keep, the robot has to be getting the resources to pay for its own operation. 
and the the the, the cost of the operation is set by the market. You know, because that's what the cost of the currency is. You know, the, you buy the currency with bitcoins. Yeah. And that's set by a market price, which is how much the cost of the computation is in this big decentralized network. But the, it's a consensus-driven computation, which is like valid according to the rules. So you can make organizations that, that run, that manage, that self-organize, that manage according to whatever rules that you want to put. And we can try and think how to make inf different parts of infrastructure according to this concept. Yeah. In the beginning, the way these things usually start out is serving some, like the, the, the cameras was, uh, have you heard of the, the short end of the long tail? Uh, go on, tell me. It's like, uh, there's like one part of the market which is, which is, uh, which is some, some like okay. Let me you, give you. Is an that example. the image of you have a long tail that does that, and the short end is the bit that travels? No, it's like a it's like, like a exponential curve. Yeah. And then you have the front part, and you have the end part. Yeah. And uh, the end part is like where there's like a low cost per item. Yeah. But there's like a huge market for that. Okay. Like the digital cameras is the okay. best example. The early digital cameras were really crap. Yeah. Like the image quality was poor, long exposure times, the cameras cost a lot, but the cost per photo was very cheap. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, a lot of the film photography companies didn't really understand. They were like, why would you want to use this? This is crap film photography. It's yeah. better. And they didn't, and they missed out on that. And a lot of them went bankrupt. Yeah. And the technology in the beginning was only for like, like, you know, some segment of the market that wasn't served by film photography yeah. but over time improved and got better and better and better until it overtook film photography yeah. now f digital photography is the norm and film photography is a dying art bitcoin you can see it in the same way the uses for bitcoin right now is not the stuff you can do with credit cards it's not the buying the beer in the bar or yeah. or doing your online shopping it's the stuff you can't do with credit cards like making managing a type of business sending know. money abroad yeah buying drugs buying drugs resource management different financial tools yeah. you know black market trade all of these things you know the multi-sig the contracts yeah. many different possibilities these things are going to only improve with time, get more usable, get more advanced in the application, yeah. and the applications get stronger until it overtakes the market. And the same with the DAX as well. The DAX, in the beginning, we can think how to do certain specific things with them that we want to do that the, can't be do, done with current stuff. And then improve and gradually start to have more and more bigger applications. Okay, if I look at my... I've got some pounds I've got a few dollars I've got a few euros I've got some uh, what do you call them airline air miles yeah I've got some Tesco's points <laughs> you know I've, I've, they're all different forms of money and I've got yeah. some gold I've got a bit of silver so I've got all these different forms of money um, is, is Bitcoin Bitcoin's and and uh, I, I don't, is Bitcoin going to be the one money that we use or is it, is it just going to be you know, are there going to be several different digital currencies all, all vying with each other? Yeah, so competition's good. Absolutely, I don't yeah, dispute that. And, uh, well, like I just gave you the example of Ethereum. Yeah. It's, it has its own currency. 
Okay. And the price of the currency. So we're going to we're going to be in a world in a few years' time where you might have some Ethereum, you might have some Bitcoins, you might have some for world different coin. purposes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Like Bitcoin is good as a value store, you know, but the blockchain is a scarce resource. So you probably don't want to be using that to make payments. No. More all the time microtransactions, but at the same time you can do certain things like certain contracts where you could do micropayments. So I I don't know. But th yeah, there will be different uh, currencies and concepts okay. vying for and each other. There's a, a, I mean, some of them, I've looked at some Not of them, they equal. are pump and dump. Some yeah. of them are pump and dump, yeah. for example. Yeah. But okay. like Bitcoin will prob probably be the biggest. And so when you, when you developed Bitcoin, were you, were you all sat in a room together? Was it all done online, talking to each other online? Were there ever points where you... No, well, would no. You, all, you all sat, like you talk about the hacker's desk at, uh, in, in uh, your place in Barcelona, where you're all kind of in, a, in an office together, if you like. With Bitcoin, no. it all happened across... It's different groups of people. Okay. You know? Cool. Different project. Like, you have Electrum wallet, you have Hive wallet. Yeah. You know, you have Dark wallet, we have yeah, well, Bitcoin, you, you have PicoCoin, you have Bitcoin D, you have... Uh, BTCD, you have all different groups. Okay. I'm going to ask you about Dark Wallet in a second. Um, so, but I just want to ask you a question about Satoshi. Um, you know, the whole thing was his idea in the first place. Yeah. And I'm not going to start asking you who he is or anything like that. Ah, that's good. Well, I think we should leave him alone, you know. Oh, well, absolutely. And he clearly wants to be. But what I wanted to know is, when he had the idea, and don't answer if you don't want to, but because a lot of what um, he was saying in the early days of Bitcoin was that everything that the gold and silver bugs have been saying for many years, that the monetary system's screwed, that it creates inequality, we need an alternative, um, that there's a monopoly on money, uh, we need to go back to sound money. This is all kind of stuff that the... And, and suddenly there was this kind of digital answer and a lot of the gold bugs refused to believe it and still do because it's not gold. But do you think Satoshi had kind of read up on all the stuff on you know gold and silver pawns. Yeah, he was like. definitely like even you look at all the properties of how you set Bitcoin is I don't know a lot of Austrian economics. Stuff, yeah. So he was into all that. I I think so. Yeah. Okay. My, well, myself, I'm I'm more of a more into the financial aspect because I was when I was playing poker, we have you can send money between poker sites very yeah. easily, and I saw how it like how. How oh, it, yeah, how it makes like little markets on yeah. the forums, people doing swaps of different currencies from different poker sites and people betting a lot on different things or paying f for a new wallpaper or, you know, in Bitcoin, I originally as well was like the same thing, like, oh, cool, I was making money by like making a website, auctioning it, I improved the Wikipedia, people sent me like $70 of donations. Yeah, oh, so you, you know, wrote some of the wiki. Wiki on Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, the original page was in an incubator. Yeah. But then to get it out of the incubator, I improved the article in one week. Oh, because it was too promotional. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, it was. So I put a Wikipedia like page on myself once and it was removed because it was too promotional. Uh, no. <laughs> no, it was, it was an incubator because yeah. I think there was like not enough sources and the, there were some things by the admins. So I just sat down for a weekend. Yeah. Also, I played poker. I saw, actually, I was reading that entry on the old Bitcoin forums, and uh, there was a post by Satoshi saying, look, it's just, just, just say what it is. Don't bother saying it's really good or anything. Just say what it is and let it, let it grow that way. Yeah, I believe in that as well. 
Yeah. I'm not. Yeah, I don't think <clears throat> promoting things like it's nice to to think of a message as well. Yeah, but also like over time, I think what's more important is rather than like pushing the things all the time, is finding how to explain the things. Right, we are back. Sorry about that. We ran out of batteries. So I'm going to ask you that last question again, Amir. If 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 the kind of internet took off, you know, went really mainstream in say 2000, um, where, where and and we're comparing, you know, the, the digital money revolution to the internet revolution. Where where are we? Still in the early 90s. Yeah, Bitcoin. We've still got massive. We've still got a long way to go. You you were saying that governments aren't going to attack Bitcoin. Yeah, I was. A lot, a lot of the ways that people imagine Bitcoin being, uh, uh, like the, a lot of the ways that people imagine that the threats to Bitcoin are, is is not the reality. Like I don't think governments are gonna, well, not all of the governments are gonna ban Bitcoin outright. They you can't know. though, can they? No, they can't because we can find ways around that. Uh, but what? What can happen is uh, a system of coercion and uh, pressures that, that kind of like push the currency into one way that, that makes it lose a lot of its integrity. Yeah. And this doesn't... I mean, what they'll do, they'll associate, they'll go, it's used, I mean, they're already doing it now, it's used by drug dealers and people selling child porn or something yeah. and they're, they're well not not completely necessarily as well it's also things like you know saying oh we recognize the importance of this but you know we've got to get it under control and so on but it, it's not only about governments you know you, you could have no government saying nothing about bitcoin and just a lot of corporations controlling bitcoin and corporations are their own gang yeah. But they're a gang that's allied with the state. And and you you will get if you trust enough of the infrastructure of Bitcoin, the critical infrastructure, in the hands of corporations, they're gonna say stuff like, We need to protect our interests, we need to protect ourselves, uh, and start to push for features or development in such a way that that leads to the development of things like blacklists or tools that remove the anonymity, you know, mm. you know, not completely, but develop techniques and so on. Because these things is really an arms race. Yeah. Like the internet, there is an arms race between people who are developing technologies to to surveil people, to spy on people, to censor people, to do all of these oppressive things. Yeah. Versus people who are developing technologies to make people anonymous, to get around censorship, to free the speech, yeah. to free people on the internet. And Bitcoin is not different. Bitcoin is not a fixed system that was given by Satoshi. Yeah. Thank you. No. Bitcoin is something that evolves and grows. And it grows according to the people behind it. There is a lot of deep issues in Bitcoin that that even though it's open source, many people don't understand. Very deep, complicated things. And the things can go either that way or this way. Sometimes it's hard to tell, you know. And 
it's it's very easy to say okay we can go it that way which you know leads to more centralization yeah somehow benefits the corporations a little bit more you know at the expense of you know keeping a currency which values the anonymity yeah the privacy the freedom of the financial speech you know these kinds of the decentralization and uh yeah and uh and that's that's the risk you know is bitcoin is bitcoin <laughs> AO, you know i say this well i'm going to say two things what you picked up about the corporations being in 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 collusion with the state when when we used to study um, medieval history at school there were three power sources there was the crown uh there were the barons and there was the church. And oh, they yeah. were the three, you know, Spokes. axles of yeah. power, if you like. And sometimes they were fighting with each other and sometimes, you know, yeah. they were in collusion with each other. And you've the got the same thing gangsters. today, only it's, it's the government or the state, the corporations and the media. And those are our, that's your crown, your church and your barons. And, I mean, would you agree with that? With that? And, but, but it looks like we're, that's slowly changing. The media is, you know, because of the internet, losing their their grip if you yeah, like yeah exactly and because of money the state if you know if we start using digital money the state loses control of money and then the, you know the corporations will be replaced by different corporations and hopefully more local ones where does the banking cartel fit in that is it well it's state and well state really state and banking it's yeah I don't really know maybe banking could, because banking kind of, treads the divines between the corporations and I the state I kind of see them more as like different mafias yeah and they all and they kind of like have in like it was like someone who works in government was explaining to me once that the way that you get the change thing is like you like you align all these different powers against each other in such a way that they're behind you yeah against the other person and there's people doing that for good and people doing that for bad and people doing it for their own interests and yeah people reasoning it's for good but their good is not your good and yeah and uh and I guess that's how it is with the government as well. Like some mafias, like different corporations, align the government against other corporations, and they get used a lot. And the, I guess the banking cartel is like more powerful than the than the states in some ways, but Absolutely. not in other ways. Absolutely. Um, okay, so you know, in the kind of lead up to two thousand, Google wasn't really a player amazon i suppose was but you know the big name was like aol yeah and then after two i mean i don't even know what aol does now but i mean so is, is bitcoin <laughs> if we're going to have a kind of massive bitcoin bubble like the dot-com mania is is bitcoin aol or is it google uh no bitcoin is different to those bitcoin's fundamental there's there's a difference between these these techie startups yeah which are like ethereal in the in the narrative of human history like the printing press it's not it's not like some company or something yeah bitcoin is a technology you know it's a it's a human development and it wasn't made by a tech startup it was made by an anonymous guy you know the the bitcoins on the blockchain that are owned by satoshi haven't been spent and there's even a lot of people who think that he just burnt the bitcoins, he got rid of them because he's not interested in fame or anything. He yeah. gave the technology, he made the manifesto. A lot of his his posts are very technical. Yeah. He he tries to stay away from 
talking a lot, but you see sometimes he says things like, oh, I don't know how to articulate these things properly. But there's also a couple of posts where he says, we will win a new, a, a new front in the fight for human freedom for a few years. You know, he talks about the central banks, the message in the Genesis block about the Chancellor bailing out the central bank in England. Yeah. Uh, no, it was like Chancellor on the, br- on the brink of second bailout for the yeah. banks. That's what it said. And uh, yeah, this is different. You know, a lot of the... There's this attitude in Silicon Valley about... You know, we're going to make things to change the world. Oh, and make a billion or a million or whatever. They, they're, they're not connected to each other. They're completely like, there's a lot of starving artists, scientists, you know, who did a lot of important stuff that we use today. Like the AC came from Tesla, who, yeah, who died in poverty, basically. He yeah. tore up a check for a billion. He would have been the world's first billionaire, but he tore it up. Because he wanted everyone to use the technology. <laughs> so who, what about the person who was paying him the billion quid? The billion quid. I don't know. <laughs> All right. I've, well, had, I've had guys come to me and say, they say, you know, oh, you need to do, you need to do this, and oh, but you need to sign an NDA, or you know, uh, you need to, we need to own something, but we will give you lots of money and stuff. But that's like I, sacrificing my integrity as a programmer. Yeah, but with Bitcoin it's nice because in the past we ha- we say okay we want to do this, and we either we either had to sell shares of ourselves, you know, to to the business people, sell like portions of yourself, like, and you're selling yourself out basically so that you can get the money so you can do some stuff, do the project, buy the resources you need. Or we had to like look at the projects and say, okay, what are the other projects being offered on the market that is, is close to what we want to do, and uh, but not quite what we, we want to do. With Bitcoin, it's nice because we say to the community, look, we want to do this. You know, we want to make this for you, the people, and the people send us the money, and that's yeah. what we did with Dark Wallet. There's no, there's no business people, there's no advertisers. None what of is Dark stuff. Wallet? It's a, it's a Bitcoin wallet we're developing, which is we want to bring all of the, this crypto functionality and tools, tools of trade and business to, to the people. The, a lot of the Bitcoin wallets is focused on grandma or making Bitcoin easy to use. And that's okay. That's valid, you know? Yeah. But we're, we're different. We're more interested in all of these different tools bringing them out for the young entrepreneur of the future, the, the people doing trade, doing the business, the resource management, the digital governance, the tools of trade, all of these things. But yeah, for now, we are focused on making a wallet which has the privacy and an anonymity. You know, Peter Todd is a great guy, really genius, and he's been coming up with a lot of great... The coin join, the stealth addresses comes from Peter Todd. These two features together make an anonymous Bitcoin. A Bitcoin where you can transact anonymously. And also all these other technologies that are coming out now, we can put them together to make a decentralized Silk Road. We can make digital black markets that have no single point of failure. And 
we already know that there's a market for Silk Road. We've seen this. But, go, but going towards that goal, along the way, we're going to better develop the ideas. And these are going to have a lot more utility as well, because we're going to, it's going to become clearer as we go along. So for now, we're starting with a very simple first step, but there's many steps as well. But also to develop these tools that we can, we can use in, in our projects as well. Because the, for instance, the pirate party now, so I'm, I'm talking with different groups of people like WikiLeaks yeah. and the pirate party and stuff. And the pirate party, they, they have an, a platform for their election about having open APIs in government. So having access to the data in government yeah. that you, you can use to build services or do analysis on how the government is operating to make it better. And about the tools for digital governance that you don't need the bureaucrats and the politicians. We can do it self-organized using digital tools much better. And, uh, but that what they want to do now is a European project to make a demonstration of these tools to show that they work, for, which is part of their, their basis for their election stuff, and, but just deploy it in a few universities. We have a better proposal. Let's deploy these tools in real communities where real people are living and see how they work. Like, you know, the, there's a problem with the assembly a lot of the time. The assembly, yeah. like where you got this consensus-based decision-making has produced nothing of value since the 60s. Nothing. Yeah. You know? The problem with consensus decision-making is... Gets watered down. Yeah, you end, up, you end up taking decisions which everybody has to agree upon is the lowest common denominator. You know... Everybody should be as poor as each other. Fuck that. You know, the, the, the whole point about the things is to, to grow, to make the things. And uh, yeah, and also another problem with the assemblies is, is some people can be more vocal than other people. You know, the, the, some people can better express their idea. Yeah. You start to get alliances. Yeah. And it starts to become a way to enforce onto others yeah. as, a, as opposed to a way to achieve consensus among everybody. And we have the tools now that we can do the things better, more scalable, more larger scale, more efficient. You know, you imagine you go to a place, you have all the documentation. The open source psychology is, an, is a, another project in the US yeah. where uh, they're building the global village construction set, which is if you need to make a, a basic community or society, you need a set of uh, 50 basic machines that normally cost tens of thousands of euros. But they're trying to make the plan so you can build this for under a thousand euros each, like reusable components, cheap. The things like building, making the bricks, the compressors, yeah. the tractors, the saws, all of these important things. Uh, but but like that you own the infrastructure, DIY and so on. And, uh, and yeah, they also, they have, like, they have like a video block that you can follow the progress. They have a wiki where you can see all the different projects on, on the farm that they're making. And, and this is the proper way to do things. But we're software developers and we can make the software to improve this, this stuff. For instance, in, 
in Catalonia, in the CIC, it's a big network, all geographically dispersed mm -hmm. around Catalonia. And uh, in our hack lab, we have people who's developing a phone system. And this is like, you can pay, you can pay one euro a month or something very cheap, and you can make international phone calls anywhere in the world for free. And uh, also you can make other phone calls to other people in the network who use this technology encrypted for free. So all of the different places in the project like in, have, have telephones and you can make telephone calls to the people. This is communications technology. It's, these things is, is needed, you know? Yeah. That we can, tools of organization, tools for building new types of organizations, communities, businesses, spread of agreements knowledge. between people over the internet, over large distances, yeah. Okay, well Amir, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, this has been an absolutely fantastic interview and thank you very much for your time cool. and thank you to all your friends here at the, F, uh, I don't know whether to call it a squat or not, but. Yeah, it's definitely a squat. It's definitely a squat, okay, well thank you, you know, for being so hospitable and bringing me tea and and uh, we've got a couple of sleep over there in the corner, so sorry, <laughs> sorry to disturb them. And uh, is there any, um, do you have like a website you want to plug as we close this interview or, or a way uh, that I don't suppose you want people to get in touch with you? But Well, we have an IRC, on Freenode IRC, we have a channel called Hash Dark Wallet. And, uh, and yeah, about the projects, you could, in February, we're going to, we're, we're going to be there working. People are free to come along, to stay, stay as long as they want, to participate. Yeah. It's calafo.org, C-A-L-A-F-O-U.org. Okay. And, uh, and also for the dark wallet, wiki.unsystem.net is where we have all the details of the organization. We need to put up a proper website. But... Okay, that'll come. <laughs> All right, well, Amir, thank you very much, and Amir Taki, thank you very much. Frisbee's Bulls and Bears is presented and produced by Dominic Frisbee. To discuss the markets and have your say, why not visit our forum at globaledgeinvestors.com. That's globaledgeinvestors.com. To join our mailing list so you can be updated as soon as a new show is posted, please email info at dominicfrisbee.net or simply subscribe through iTunes.